0: Job chapter 28 is a sort of interlude in the book of Job. It is a a break from the exhausting tempo and tone of chapters 4 through 27, where Job and his friends are going back and forth trying to make sense of Job's suffering. And it's hard to read, it's Exhausting to read. Chapter 28 is a, it's a bit of a break. Job had lost everything. He'd lost his business. He'd lost his family. He had lost his friends, it feels. He had lost God, it feels like, to him. He had lost his health. So he'd lost everything. And he lost everything, we were told, because he was the most righteous man on earth. Because he was the most righteous man on earth, it singled him out for this trial and test. He's like the tallest redwood. In the forest, that gets struck by lightning, and it gets struck by lightning because it is the greatest and the tallest tree of the forest, but Job was like that, and initially, Job responded to this tragedy really well. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away he said we 're still going to praise God, blessed be the name of the Lord he said. Should we only accept the good from God and not accept when evil comes our way? No. And again, he's praising God. He says, blessed be the name of the Lord over and over. But by this point, he has been worn down. He's been worn down over time. He's been worn down over friends. He has friends that, they're not so great of friends. They're more like frenemies. At best, and they were, if we were to describe them, we could say that they were loud with limited knowledge. They were loud and limited, which is a very dangerous combination. They were like the very first television evangelists, they were like the first pioneers of this false prosperity gospel. So they're very loud with their opinions, but their opinions are, are wrong. They don't have a good grasp of truth. They basically said this, hey, if you are righteous, if you have enough faith, you'll prosper. If you're not righteous, if you don't have enough faith, then you will suffer. So their message to Job was, hey, you need to work harder. You need to pray harder. You need to confess your sin. You need to name it and claim it, gab it and grab it. It's this false prosperity gospel, right? that if you do the right thing, then the right thing will always happen to you. And if the wrong thing is happening to you, then you must be doing the wrong thing. Well, Job knows that isn't true for a lot of reasons. He knows that it's more complicated than that. He knows that his friends are wrong. He doesn't claim to be without sin, but he knows that in this case, the punishment does not fit the crime. This is not an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is like getting the death penalty for littering is how it feels to job so he's been arguing with his friends and so all the way through chapter 27 job is insisting on his innocence and he will he's done that all the way through chapter 27 and then in chapter 29 through 31 he'll make his final appeal his last stand. And then right in between is this interlude. It's chapter 28. We have a little break where Job pulls back and considers wisdom. Wisdom is what Job wants here. Wisdom is what Job needs. He's asked for relief. Of course he has. He wants this pain and this suffering to end. And he's, he's been asking for that over and over again. But it would seem that for this righteous man, while he does want relief there's something he wants even more than relief from his suffering and it's wisdom on how to handle his suffering. And so he is in search of this wisdom in the midst of his suffering. And you hear it in this question that he asks in verse 12. And then he asks it again in verse 20. And everything he says in this chapter is structured, is built around these or this question. Verse 12, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? And in verse 20, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? Let's find out together. But first I should pray, so will you please bow your heads with me. Our Father in heaven, as we read and think about your word this morning, will you give us understanding? And will you increase our desire for you? And will you show us where our lives need to change? Convict us of sin and give us the encouragement and the power to change so that you will be honored in all that we do. Would you help us, God, to have wisdom today? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you haven't already, you should open your Bible to the book of Job chapter 28. If you're using one of the Bibles that we provide for you, you'll find that on page 278. Page 278. And what we are looking at this morning is the worth and the whereabouts of wisdom. That's what we have here. That's where we're going this morning, because according to Verses 12 and 13, man, and that's you and me, mankind, according to verses 12 and 13, does not know wisdom's worth, nor where to find it. So we need to understand the worth and the whereabouts of wisdom. Verse 12 and 13, but where shall wisdom be found And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth. And it is not found in the land of the living. So let's start with the worth of wisdom. We're not going to care about the whereabouts of wisdom if we don't understand its worth. We're not going to care where... To find wisdom. If we don't understand the value of wisdom. And here's what we learn here. Wisdom is valuable. Wisdom is invaluable. Wisdom is priceless. According to God's word. That means that when it comes to wisdom. You cannot put a price tag on it. If you could. Cash in everything you own to just get wisdom, that'd be a good deal. It's that important, it's that valuable, at least according to Job. Listen to verses fifteen through nineteen. And here hey Job, how valuable is wisdom? It cannot be bought for gold, verse 15. And silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir. And everyone knows how great the gold is in Ophir. In precious onyx or sapphire, gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia, even the Ethiopian topaz. (laughs) I'm sure that meant something more to them than it does to us, but you get the point. It cannot equal it, nor can it, and here's the, here's the word, nor can it be, what does it say? Valued in pure gold. So let's summarize what Job just said. Wisdom is more valuable than gold, silver, onyx, sapphire, jewels, coral, crystal, topaz, and pearls. Do you see what Job is doing here? There is nothing more precious than wisdom. There is nothing, this is Job's case, to us, there is nothing that you and I should want more than wisdom. So valuable. In the Bible, newly crowned, King Solomon, that's what he wanted. He wanted wisdom. God came to him and said, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. I've dreamed of this, right? It's like the biblical equivalent of the genie. And you got the lamp and you rub it three times and it comes out, you get these wishes. Well, God comes to Solomon and says, hey, listen, ask anything you want and I'll give it to you. I don't say it out loud, but what would you ask for? I'm not so sure I'd ask for what Solomon asked for. I hope I would. Solomon said, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. He went on to write, Solomon did, in Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold? Same thing Job is saying. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. And yet, Job says in verse 13, generally speaking about mankind, man does not know wisdom's worth. Does man want wisdom? Does man understand how valuable wisdom is? Man wants a lot of things. Man wants money. He wants power. He wants influence. He wants reputation. He wants happiness. But what about wisdom? This morning, what do you want? Do you want wisdom? Maybe a part of the reason we don't value wisdom is because we don't really understand what wisdom is. So what is wisdom? What is this wisdom that is so valuable? The wisdom that Job is searching for, the wisdom that Solomon asked for, the wisdom that, According to Proverbs 4.7, you and I should want to get. Proverbs 4.7 says, get wisdom. love how simple that is. Hey, it says, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. That's Solomon saying, hey, you need wisdom. You need insight. So what is wisdom? Here's, here's a couple biblical metaphors for wisdom, where the Bible says, well, it's like this, and then we'll look at some definitions. Let's try to get a handle on this. What is wisdom? One biblical metaphor is that wisdom is is like a path. Wisdom is a path. It's the right path. It is the best path. There are two paths in life. One's a good path, the other is not a good path. They have two very different destinations. One path leads to life, the other path leads to destruction. Wisdom is the path of life. Folly, the opposite of wisdom, is the path of destruction. Here these paths, Psalm 1611, here's the path of wisdom. You, God, you make known to me the path of life, wisdom. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That is the path of wisdom, but there's a path of folly. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. You ever think about that verse? The hard part about that verse to swallow is that this path seems right to a man or woman. So it can feel like you are on the right path, but in the end, it leads to death. We want to be wise. We want wisdom. We want the path of life. So, wisdom is a path. That's one metaphor. One of my favorite metaphors in the Bible for wisdom, it's one of the most vivid metaphors of wisdom in the Bible, is that wisdom is a woman. Have you read this in Proverbs? Wisdom is like a woman. Here's the picture painted for us. There are two women in life, and they both call out to you. There are two women women in life and they are both setting a table and they are inviting you to dinner and one is lady wisdom and the other is floozy folly the word floozy is not in the bible just to clarify but you tell me whether or not you think she's a floozy She is. She's a hussy. But listen to Lady Wisdom. Proverbs 9, 1 through 6. Here's Lady Wisdom. Wisdom's a woman here. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple... Let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. That's lady wisdom. there's another lady. She's not much of a lady. Here's floozy folly. Same chapter, Proverbs 9, verses 13 through 17. The woman folly is loud. they're both setting a table, and they're both inviting people over. One woman is noble and pure, and she is presiding over a beautiful table in a beautiful banqueting hall. That's lady wisdom. And there's another woman, and she is cheap, and her blouse is unbuttoned. And she is also inviting you to come and eat in her home. And when you get there, you're the only one in the dining room. And the lights are turned down. And she says, beat with me. And it's folly. And in the end, she leads you not to life, as Lady Wisdom does. She leads you to death. Friends, look around. These two women, and I don't mean women, Are all over the place, wisdom and folly. There are two paths, there are two voices that are calling out to us, there are two banqueting tables that are beckoning to us, there are two invitations. One is wisdom and one is folly. Here are some definitions of wisdom. So we started with the pictures, and now here are some definitions. Wisdom, according to Derek Thomas, the English theologian and pastor, he said, Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal with the surest means of attaining it. It is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and the highest goal with the surest means of attaining it. Charles Spurgeon said, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. We're getting closer. To know, he said, how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. When Solomon asked for wisdom in 1 Kings 3, 9, here's how he put it. God, give your servant an understanding mind in order to govern your people. That I may discern between good and evil. The Hebrew word that shows up here in Job 28. The Hebrew word for wisdom means skill. So, wisdom is a skill. In fact, the word wisdom is used in Exodus to describe all the skilled craftsmen that helped to build the tabernacle which was beautiful beyond compare. Skilled craftsmen. Wisdom is knowing truth and then applying truth to how you think and what you say and what you do and how you vote and how you spend your free time and how you relate in your marriage and how you... Parent and how you work. It's knowing truth and then applying that truth to every aspect of your life. It is skillful living, is what wisdom is. It is skillful living. It is the ability to apply knowledge rightly, the ability to apply truth rightly. It is simply godly living, it is the ability to apply truth. To your life. It is spiritual insight. It is practical Christianity. Wisdom is being able to get the most out of your life. It is where your joy and God's glory come together. It is knowing the truth. And it is knowing how to apply the truth. That's wisdom. As Spurgeon said, it is not just knowledge. It is not just knowing the truth. It is knowing the truth and knowing how the truth applies to your life. That's wisdom. That is the foundation beneath these statements of the worth and value of wisdom. Wisdom understand that that's what it is it should it should feel more valuable to us it should feel more worthy to us imagine having that wisdom increasingly throughout your life to not just know the truth but to know how the truth applies to every area of your life To know what the right thing to say is, the best thing to say, to know what the best thing to do is, to know what the best thing not to say is and not to do is. Wisdom. We should understand why Job is searching for that in his life. It is all the more important when you're facing trial. How much more important is that skill when you're in a furnace of affliction, when life is not going well? Life seems unfair in those times. Life seems confusing in those times. We're more tempted to complain and doubt when we're under pain and suffering. I am, you are. And so we need help to know how to think. And we need help to know how to speak. And we need help to know what to do. That's Job here. I need wisdom. What should I think about all this, God? What should I do? What should I say to my friends, to my wife, to my servants? What should I not say? What should I not do? Oh God, that's his prayer. Give me wisdom that I would know your truth and how to apply it in my life. So that's the worth of wisdom. Well, where is it? Where do you find it? Amazon? That'd be sweet. I love Amazon. I'm an Amazon Prime member. I'd buy everything on Amazon if I could. I'd never leave my house. I'm one of those guys. Just click, click, click. Buy it now. Buy it now. Shows up at my house in two days. Tells me the time it's going to show up. I'll be sitting on my porch just waiting for them. Love that guy. First name basis, getting to know each other. Thank you. I would love that. I would love. Can you just, wisdom, enter. I can have it in less than 48 hours. Click. Here comes the big brown truck. Here comes the, I don't know, big box, little box. Wisdom, open it up. I've got it. I would love that. I mean, if it is this valuable, and I think it is. If it is that worthy, and I think it is, we want wisdom. So let's get to the, according to Job here, according to God's word, the whereabouts of wisdom. Hey, where are we going to find this wisdom? And here's the question in verses 12 through 14. What Job says, it sets it up. But I read it before. But where shall wisdom be found? I was kidding, not on Amazon. Where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. Here's how he puts it in verse 14. The deep says, it's not in me, and the sea says, it's not with me. It's like all of creation is looking around and says, with you? You got it? You got it? And all of creation is saying, we don't have wisdom. You're not going to find it here. So where is it to be found? Is this, are we just getting set up for disappointment? Is it eternally elusive? That is Job's question in chapter 28. Look with me at verses 1 through 11. Here, Job speaks very highly of man. I mean, man is an amazing creature. It's true. And by Job's time, owing to man's ingenuity. He had discovered a lot by Job's time that this earth has to offer. And of course, by now, we've discovered even more. I mean, sometimes, is there anything left on this earth to discover, I think, sometimes? Of course, there is. But they had discovered so much by Job's time. He's marveling at it in these first 11 verses. I mean, we are by nature Think about this as human beings, very different, very unique. We are by nature searchers. We are by nature explorers. We are by nature miners, mining for things that we crave, that we want, for truth, for materials. And he describes it in these first 11 verses. I go camping a lot with. Um, My boys, sometimes my wife comes. We go camping a lot. And one of our favorite things to do when we go camping up in the mountains is to do what? Explore. We want to explore. And our favorite places to get to are those places where it feels like less people have been. There's been a couple times where we've looked at each other and wondered, do you think anyone has ever stood here? They probably have. But we kind of dream about it. I mean, maybe I mean, we are deep right now. We are miles in. It was really hard to get here. We don't see any human tracks and that's thrilling. That's exciting. We're exploring and searching and maybe seeing something or finding something that no one has found before, that no one has seen before cuz We're searchers. We're explorers. This is what he's describing in these first 11 verses. But in all of our searching, have we discovered wisdom? It's going to be his point. Have we found wisdom? I mean, here we are. We've been to the moon. We've got like a truck on Mars right now. We, we can see inside biological cells. Have we discovered wisdom anywhere? Have we found what Job is talking about? So listen to Job describing the searching of man in verses 1 through 11. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine, Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread or food. But underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle. And the thing that is hidden, he brings out to light. Verse 12. But where shall wisdom be found? Do you hear how he set up his question? I mean, we live in one of the greatest places on earth. I hope you know that, living in Northern California, in terms of God's creation. And some of you have maybe done what I've done, and we can go and actually explore things like this, just miles from us, mining. You can go into these caves, you can go into these shafts, you can explore this, and you can see and marvel at what man was doing 150 years ago. Knowing what they had and what little they had and what they were able to do and what they were able to even extract from these mountains so much so that there's hardly any left. It's a, it really is what he's taught. It's amazing what man is capable of. I mean, we search and we search and we search and we keep finding and finding and finding. But here's his question at the end of that. You found wisdom yet? We're amassing all these precious things. But what about wisdom? But where shall wisdom be found? With everything that man has accomplished. With as far as we have come. With the mountains that we have climbed. With the depths that we have plunged. I asked myself this week, are we any better off because of it? Are we really, apart from God, in all our searching, in all our finding, in all our, this is the word used, progressing, are we really any better off? Have we progressed? Have we Evolved? I'm not so sure. For all we know of the natural world, you'd think we'd have more to show for it. Has man found wisdom? So here's the thing. A worldview that excludes God cannot find wisdom. If there is no God, if that is your worldview, then there is no wisdom. And so man searches the world and he searches himself. And this is what we do apart from God. He searches the world and he searches himself for wisdom, for truth, for knowledge. And then supposedly enough knowledge and enough truth, enough science, enough philosophy, enough understanding of the natural world, and we'll be able to apply that and we'll progress and we'll grow and we will be better off. We will have wisdom. But this is what happens without God. You search the world, you search yourself, and eventually you just hit a wall. And then you sort of double back, and you just search the world some more, and you search yourself some more, and what you come up with is not wisdom. I mean, we have, as mankind, been philosophizing forever and pontificating forever. We've been mining forever, and we still don't, apart from God, have answers to these questions. Who am I? What is this world? What is the point of Life? What is the purpose? What is the meaning? How shall I live? That's what wisdom is. I need the knowledge, and I need to know how to apply that knowledge. And we still don't have it, we still can't agree on it. We have this at our house, we have this personality that we were given for Christmas. Her name is Alexa. (laughs) She's amazing. She's amazing. I'm telling you, if you if you're lonely, (laughs) you need to buy Alexa. We talk to Alexa. It's this little round black thing. It's like I'm sounding never mind. I'm describing technology and I'm sounding like that 40 to 64 bracket that I fit in now. But anyway, so it's like this round, it's this round, I was, that was a joke from a couple weeks ago. I'm sorry. It's this round thing It's a couple inches thick and you just, you plug it into the, to the wall. You plug it into the wall. That's it. And that's all I did. I plugged it into the wall. And then I can talk to her. And she talks back. Alexa, add paper clips to the shopping list. I have added paper clips to your shopping list. <laughs> That's right, you did. <laughs> Alexa, what what time is it? I'm trying to get her to say game time, but she just tells me the actual time. Uh, Alexa, uh, set a timer for thirty minutes. Your timer has been set for thirty minutes. And then a little while, there there are two minutes left in your timer. <sighs> Alexa, you are Alexa. Play some Johnny Cash for me. <laughs> Here's God's going to cut you down in, by Johnny Cash, my favorite Johnny Cash song. Yeah, You even knew my favorite song. <laughs> Alexa, you, you know me so well. And you ask her any question. Alexa, what's the tallest peak in the world? You barely get the words out of your mind. The tallest peak in the world is Mount Everest at 29,000 whatever feet. What's the deepest? Oh, it's Mariana's Trench off the coast of Japan. You just ask her any question. What's the weather today? So she, everything. She knows everything. She, within this little s- circular thing is all the knowledge of mankind. I'm serious. You could get this on Amazon. She's 50 bucks. <laughs> 50 bucks and you'll know everything. What? That's, that is amazing. So I should get like a kickback from Amazon right now. So I asked Alexa this week, Alexa, where can wisdom be found? Wait for it. I'm sorry. I do not understand your question. Bam. Bam. Word of God one, Alexa zero. (laughs) Not as smart as you thought you were, floozy folly Alexa. (laughs) Notes. (laughs) I appreciated her honesty. I appreciated her honesty. That's what's so great about Job 28, God's Word. Job knows the answer. He knows the whereabouts of wisdom, he tells us in verse 23. And here's what we're going to learn. Wisdom is beyond discovery. No wonder. Verses 1 through 11. All this searching, all this exploring, all this mining, no wisdom. All this debate, all this philosophizing. No wisdom. All this knowledge. No wisdom. There's no wisdom because it is beyond discovery. That's why it can't be found. Listen. Wisdom cannot be found. It must be revealed. Verse 20. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. Here it is, verse 23. God understands the way to it and he knows its place. That's the answer. Where is wisdom? God is the source of wisdom. There is neither knowledge of truth, nor knowledge of how to apply the truth, nor the inclination to do it apart from God. Apart from God, no matter how much you search, there is no knowledge of the truth. There is no knowledge of how to apply that truth. And there is not the inclination to do it. Apart from God. God alone is the source of wisdom. For someone who does not know God, there may be... Common sense, there may be street smarts, there is intelligence to be sure, there is intellect, but there is no wisdom because God alone is the source of wisdom. God alone knows all things, God alone sees the big picture. God is all knowing. God is all powerful. God is in all control. Therefore, God alone has wisdom. He has knowledge of truth. He knows how that truth needs to be applied in any and every situation. And He does. In every situation. Verses 24 through 27. God alone knows all things. That's what Job is saying here. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. You're not going to find anybody like that on planet earth, which is why wisdom is found in God alone. And then here's his description. How much does God know? Here's one illustration of that. When he gave to the wind its weight... And apportioned the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain. And a way for the lightning of the thunder. Then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. There's a description in these three verses of a a thunderstorm. Is what's being described. The point is this. God is running the thunderstorm. Everything about it is determined by God. How many drops of rain determined by God? The speed, the weight of the wind determined by God. The speed of any particular gust of wind determined by God. God understands a thunderstorm on a level that we do not understand a thunderstorm. I mean, we understand a thunderstorm to a degree. Some of you know this about me. I love the weather. I love Watching weather forecasts, I'm checking the weather app on my phone incessantly, compulsively, every 15, 20 minutes. Want to see if it matches up with what I make. I'm just fascinated by meteorology. I've been for a long time. And so what happens is that we think, this is the danger for us, we think that we've taken the mystery out of a thunderstorm because of our understanding of meteorology, but we haven't. There's so much we don't know. There's so much we don't understand. It's like a stumbling block. We know so much that we think we know it all. And so we know how this works and we know how that works. And oh, it's a cold pressure system and a high and a low pressure system and... You've got this, and then the delta, and then the tide, and, then, and that's why we have these particular gusts, and that's why the clouds are this way, and that's why there's this much rain. So we understand this in a natural, material way, but we don't understand really, so why this much rain? And why, when I look out my back window... At about 5.30 p.m., is it that particular shade of orange in the horizon? Oh, well, the gas is in the air and the, the direction of the wind, and you're looking through. The... Golly. You just take all the amazement out of it. Yeah, I get how God set this up. I get the means. But why did he choose that particular shade of orange for you to see at 5.30 last night? And a different one tonight. And why that much rain and why a couple weeks ago we had these really bad storms. Like we're not living in California for a while, like we live in a state with real seasons. (laughs) And I love it. And 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 on one night I woke up and it was like one o'clock in the morning, and the wind was just howling. When I was a little kid, we were I was in a tornado. Not, not like in a tornado, but we lived in a trailer. When I was a kid, we lived in a trailer, and a tornado went behind our house, and the trailer actually lifted up. I mean, it was it almost sounded like, it sounded like a train out by our house a couple weeks ago. So I'm laying there in bed. You know, we open the window, and that's happened. I just I love it. It's like, I'm going to go check this out. So I, I walk over to our bathroom window, and I look out the glass. And, you know, I open, the, I open the window about this much, and, the, like, the rain is hitting me in the face, and I'm looking out, and... I was loving it. And actually at that, I was thankful for this. At that moment, when I'm looking out, we've got about 50 yards maybe from our house, this big 14-foot trampoline. And at that moment when I woke up, I'm watching the trampoline is going like this. <laughs> and at that moment, as I'm wa- I'm there for maybe 10 minutes, and as I'm there watching, this trampoline goes up in the air. Like a couple stories flips upside down, I'm thinking, this, this is, the trampoline is ruined, but this is amazing, and I can't believe, I'm, I'm actually thinking, you know, you think a lot of things, like a matter of seconds, I'm thinking, this is amazing, that I'm actually here, God brought me to the window to see this, this is amazing, it goes up, it's upside down in the air, and then it starts coming this way, <laughs> so I'm thinking other thoughts, this is amazing, but I don't want to die, although what a way to go. It flips upside down and comes right up to the house and it, it, it lands on these posts that we have and they go right through the trampoline and it's, it's torn and, and shredded. And I'm just thinking, awesome. <laughs> and then I'm, and then I'm, so I'm just, why? I can't believe that. I'm thanking God. Thank you for letting me see that. That was amazing. You are so powerful. And then I'm looking at this eucalyptus tree and it's just swaying and swaying. And then I'm looking at the tree and I'm like, look at the side of my house and I'm thinking, <laughs> Dang, how tall is that tree? (laughs) And is the height of that tree more than the distance from the base of that tree? So I'm doing geometry now. It didn't fall. But I'm just just amazed by this. God was controlling all that. It It was all according to... His decree and his design for some of you that just sounds silly. I know. You just hear that like that's that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I'm telling you you're missing out. <laughs> I mean I mean, science is just is learning about God's world and discovering how amazing God is. I mean, how are you amazed otherwise? I mean, what are you amazed at? Where, where's your gratitude going? Where's your thankfulness going? Where does it end? I mean, are you So that's Job's illustration. He pulls out the thunderstorm. This is our presumption. This is the presumption of Job's friends. His friends don't even understand the material world. They don't even understand the natural world, let alone the supernatural world. But we're in the same boat. How could they possibly understand the spiritual, the eternal, the supernatural? So now here's the last verse of Job chapter 28. This is where we end up. Here is Job's knockout punch. It's verse 28. Here's his walk-off home run. Here's his buzzer beater. Here's his 31 unanswered points. Sorry for those of you who aren't sports fans. it was like, f- like four sports things in a row. That So think of something for you. Verse 28. Okay, so here, here's the knockout punch. And God said to man, and we're so glad that God says things to man. And God said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. So here's what we got so far. Where is wisdom? Okay, God is the source of wisdom. I want wisdom. I see how valuable it is i see what how great worth it is i want wisdom where is wisdom found okay here's what he's told us so far god is the source of wisdom no god no wisdom you're not going to really know truth you're not going to know how to imply truth so god is a source of wisdom but now behold the fear of the lord that is wisdom and to turn away from evil is understanding we've heard this other places in the bible Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Proverbs three seven: be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Solomon, the wisest of all, later writes this repentant book of Ecclesiastes, reflecting back on his life. What does he say at the very end of Ecclesiastes? He boils it all down. Chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter. He's done talking. I'm out. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. There's the wisest man on earth. Let me boil it down for you. Like I've been I've been ranting for 12 chapters. Here we go. Fear God and keep his commandments. That, Solomon said, is the whole duty of man. So friends, do you want wisdom? Where do you start? Fear God. That's wisdom. There's no wisdom apart from that. Fear God. The wisdom that is needed to live the Christian life is found in fearing God, in a growing relationship with God. Where you are knowing Him and trusting Him and obeying Him and enjoying Him, fearing God. The fear of God. It is a deep and serious reverence for God that leads you to a desire to please Him in all things. Do you fear God this morning? Is there a deep and serious reverence for God? So deep and so serious that it leads you to a desire to please Him in all things, to turn away from evil, to not tolerate evil to pursue holiness before God, to pursue purity before God, to long to see sin and anything unpleasing to God in your life rooted out and killed and destroyed, to enjoy God more than anything else, to enjoy His gifts, to enjoy the life that He has given you. Is this your The utmost desire out of a serious and deep reverence for God. There is no wisdom apart from that. If you don't know that, you don't know anything. If you don't know this experience with God, you don't know anything about God. The fear of the Lord... That is wisdom. For Job, in the absence of knowing why, the rope that he hangs onto is the fear of the Lord. He doesn't know why things are going the way they are. He will never know why things are going the way they are. The rope that he hangs onto in that storm. Is the fear of the Lord. That's wisdom. That's an example for us. That's wisdom. The wisest thing that you and I could do, the wisest thing that you and I could do would be to right now fear God and reject sin. To not play games. To stop seeing how close to the line we can get. To stop living our life looking to see how much we can get away with and still not totally blaspheme God. But to look to go above and beyond. To see his standard and in all our weakness and in all our failures to pursue it with all of our heart, with all of our mind. With all of our soul, with all of our strength. To know that, of course, we're going to fail, we're going to do things terribly, and we're going to make a mess often or every now and then, and that when we do, we must repent. We must get back up. We must express our sorrow to God and those we have sinned against. We must seek forgiveness from God and forgiveness from others. We must extend forgiveness, we must receive forgiveness. We must set our face again and again and again on pleasing this God that we're done playing with. But we must deeply and seriously revere him. We must come to know him more and more through his word, that we would know his truth. And that we would pray not only to know his truth, but God, would you give me wisdom? Would you help me to know how to apply your truth? How to apply it to my life, to my kids' lives, to my wife's life, to my friends, my co-workers, my neighbors, whatever it is. Oh God, give me wisdom. And we know that there will be no wisdom if you and I do not stand before God in fear. Isn't that what is often wrong in Christian and church? There's just not enough fear of God. So often, isn't that what's lacking in your life and in my life? At the end of the day, do I deeply and seriously revere God in such a way that it changes the way I live? That it it, it causes me to stop doing things I need to stop doing? That it causes me to start doing things I need to start doing? Because I'm taking so seriously the Lord. Friends, that is the fear of God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, will you give us wisdom? Give us wisdom, God. God, if there is not a good and healthy and helpful fear of you in our hearts... God, would you give it to us? Lord, will you cause us to fear you? God, I pray for everyone who's a member of this church. I pray for everyone who who maybe is visiting this morning. God, I pray for anyone who is not taking you seriously, that they would now. And that your Holy Spirit would come and apply the word that we've looked at today to them. And they would be changed. For your glory, God. And Lord, I pray, whether it's me or someone else or others in the room. God, if we think that we are pursuing you the way we should, but we're not, and we're Deceived. God, awaken us. To see our own sin. To see our own failures. And to see infinite hope in you. And may we seek forgiveness. To turn from evil and to fear you. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.